Pastor Rich Jones quoted before we prayed today, Mary Magdalene going to the tomb, finding that the stone was rolled away. That is a profound statement. Let me just take a moment with that. You understand that when Jesus was buried there in that tomb, the Roman government was concerned that something might happen to give the impression that the body of Jesus had raised and was stolen. So it was sealed with the Roman seal, and under penalty of death, no one was to tamper with that seal or break that seal. So the problem was not just the size of the stone that would be difficult to move for the ladies going with the spices to embalm the body. The fact is they would have no authority or jurisdiction even to move that stone because the emperor had sealed it so that no hand would be able to tamper with that tomb. But we need to know that a representative of a higher power than the emperor came down that, that Sunday morning and broke the seal of the Roman emperor and rolled the stone away. That angel had the authority of the universe behind him and he opened the tomb for us to see he is not here. He is risen. It was a problem. God can solve problems. It was a legal problem, but God is the supreme, sovereign Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no earthly power that can prohibit God from accomplishing his purpose in the earth. And so I'm glad for the angel, the representative of the king himself who broke the seal and rolled the stone so that we could look in and see what had happened. Jesus was gone. He was alive. We're going to talk about emptiness today. And uh, Easter, a celebration of emptiness. I'm glad kids come to church, aren't you? I want you to know this is a kid-friendly place. And so that doesn't bother us at all. We're glad for the family to be together every week. Would you read with me and just kind of follow as we go through the first 12 verses of Luke's Gospel, chapter 24? It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices, they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember, note that word, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day 
raise again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others who, with them, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Let me begin by saying that it is interesting to me to see the observation of the record here of who it is that the Holy Spirit reminds us of this morning in this passage of Scripture. These are the women who attended Jesus. They were women's ministries. You can read in the other Gospels how they attended to his needs on a daily basis. So they traveled with him. They had heard his words and listened to his teaching. They knew what Jesus had said. But they just didn't get it. These were disciples who had been called by him and followed him, participated with him in ministry. They distributed the bread among the hungry, 5,000, and gathered up 12 baskets when they were all finished. They had walked on the water. They had seen him raise the dead. They had listened to him speak. And yet, on this particular morning we call Easter Day, they were filled with doubt and disbelief. The doubts of the disciples are well documented in this passage. And when we look at this, it just causes us to question this morning, how many times have you heard this story? How many times have you listened while someone read Luke 24 or John chapter 20 and, and heard again and again and again the message of the resurrection? I want you to appreciate the fact that Jesus repeatedly shared with those women and those men the fact that he was going to die. And in fact, how he was going to die. In fact, who would put him to death? What would happen to him prior to that? And then that he would experience after three days resurrection. But they just didn't get it. They had heard it repeatedly. They had heard it often, but they, it didn't penetrate. It didn't sink in. It didn't get there. And I'm wondering this morning, in the churches across America, filled with people celebrating this Easter Sunday, I wonder how many have heard it year after year after year, so familiar they could almost quote the verses before they're read because they are so familiar. But I'm wondering what percentage there might be sitting in pews listening this morning who just have never gotten it. They've heard it, but it's never penetrated. It's never really made a difference in their life. So familiar is the story, and yet so very irrelevant to their life. I just want you to listen to me and uh, maybe follow on the screen some of the repetition of the Lord. 
these were spoken directly into the lives of these people that we read about in the text this morning. Matthew 16, 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that they, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23, And when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Luke chapter 9, verse 44. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you, Jesus said. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. Next verse. But they did not understand what he meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. Let me give you one more verse from Luke 18, 31 to 34. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that was written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will raise again. Let me read that again to you in the Good News translation. And I extract a phrase from this that kind of puts it in our language. Then Jesus took the twelve off to the side and said, Listen carefully. We're on the way up to Jerusalem. Everything written in the prophets about the Son of Man will take place. He will be handed over to the Romans, jeered at, made sport of, spit upon. Then giving him the third degree, they will kill him. And in three days, he will raise to life. But they didn't get it. They could neither make heads nor tails of what Jesus was talking about. Just repetition. They heard it over and over and over again. We're going to Jerusalem. Very detailed. Isn't it amazing how prophetic Jesus was with those disciples? He was going to be betrayed into the hands of Gentiles by the Romans he was going to be crucified he would be flogged he would be spit upon very specific and detailed as to what would take place prior to the cross and then count them three days later in every time Jesus told them what was going to happen he told them specifically how long he would be in the grave count them one, two, 
had told them so much and so often he was coming back to life again after he was going to be crucified, but they didn't get it. They just didn't get it. The very fact that these women were on the way to the tomb and the angel spoke to them and said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. The fact of the matter is, they were not seeking the living. They were seeking the dead. They were carrying with them pounds of spices and ointments to embalm the body of the Lord. They had no intention of finding someone alive. They had a mission, very clear mission. They were going to embalm a dead body, the body of their beloved Lord. The angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Well, you see, they were not seeking the living. They were going there purposely to attend to the dead. They were going to embalm a memory. If I could just take a side trip here for a moment. If we're going to be seeking things that are living, we don't want to go to the graveyard. If you're looking for life, eternal life, abundant life, then don't tread through graveyards. Because the living can't be found among the dead. You have to find a place where there's life. There's an author of life this morning, and it won't be found in the dives and difficult places of the world. That's the death of the world. The wages of sin is death. So if you're looking for life, don't go to the graveyard. Go to church. That's where you're going to hear about life. That's where you're going to hear about abundant life, eternal life, where you'll experience the living Christ. We celebrate the living Christ today. So much of the world is walking through graveyards looking for something alive. Can't be found. Only place that life can be found is in Jesus. He said, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There is life in the sun this morning, and there really isn't life anywhere but in the sun. Well, I told you I was going to talk about emptiness today. And Easter is all about emptiness. Emptiness is a condition where something that is expected to be found is not found. Emptiness is when you're looking for something that you expect to find there, but is not there. And that's broad enough this morning that you can get hold of this to understand that those things that we search for and look for and strive for many times can leave us empty. I get uh, emails from a number of people, and I get the bonehead of the day from several people. Can I share it with you? It is reported that a newfangled toy has been released for distribution. U.S. company has an action figure called Invisible Jim. 
It's selling briskly at $2.80 a piece. Why do they call it an invisible gym? Because all you get is the packaging. There is no gym. On the box, there are these words printed on the side. Lack of darting eyes and realistic fake hair. Not as seen on TV. Camouflage suit sold separately. Spokesman for the distributor says that when the first shipment arrived, they thought someone had made a mistake in the factory, that they sent just the packaging and not the product. But that is the product. Invisible Jim is invisible. And you get an empty box. Good marketing, good packaging, empty box. I think that kind of describes a philosophy that exists in the world in which we live today, a lot of things have good marketing and good packaging, but when you examine the contents, it's empty. Absolutely invisible gym. And so there is a deception that, that we face in this world today, and there is an emptiness. There is an emptiness apart from experiencing Easter, apart from knowing life itself that comes in the person and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I give you just some personal testimonies from people that you'll recognize their name? I just picked a few from representing different phases of life, some from the world of sports, the world of politics, literature, entertainment. These names you'll probably recognize. Boris Becker, tennis star at the very top of the tennis, tennis world, yet he was at the brink of suicide. And I'm quoting, I won Wimbledon twice before. Once as the youngest player, I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide, having everything but unhappy. I had no inner peace. I felt like a puppet on a string. Jack Higgins, who is the author of several novels, one most recently, The Eagle Has Landed, said, and I'm quoting, someone asked him this question, what would you like to have known as a boy? His answer, that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. When you get to the top, there's nothing there. It's just invisible gym. You get the box, but there's nothing inside the box. George Harrison, one of the Beatles, said, as for me, much more quickly than for the others, the magic of the moment flickered and died. At first, all we thought we wanted was fame and that. After a bit, we recognized that fame wasn't really what we were after, just the fruits of it. And then after the initial excitement and thrill wore off, I, for one, became depressed. Is this all we have to look forward to in life, he said, being chased around by a crowd of hooting lunatics from one crappy hotel to another? Invisible Jim, just the box.
after the Dallas Cowboys had won the Super Bowl, Tom Landry made this observation, and I quote, The overwhelming emotion in a few days among the players of the Dallas Cowboys football team was how empty that goal was. There must be something more. There is something more. Can you say amen? There is something more than a Super Bowl. There is something more than a goal that you've set and attained. And once you've reached it, you wonder why it was so important to you. It still leaves you with a vacuum inside that is unfulfilled and unsatisfied. One more, Lee Atwater, who was the former Republican Party chairman, said before he died, the 80s were about acquiring wealth, power, prestige. I know. I acquired more wealth and power and prestige than most. But you will acquire all you want and still feel empty. These speak out of experience. You don't have to listen to them. You can, you can try it on your own. But I think you'll find the same result that they find. Apart from the Lord, <laughs> it's just the box. It's invisible gym all over again. There is no gym. It's just good packaging and good promotion, but no product. And I just wonder sometimes if we, if we get it. <laughs> if we get it. I mean, the disciples didn't. The women didn't. I wonder how many of us in America have gotten this. We celebrated it with our new clothes and new hats every week, every, every year, but... Do we really get the new life? Oh, this is the 11 o'clock crowd now. Do we have that new life? Isn't that what Romans 6 says, being buried with him by baptism, and like as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Easter should make a difference in the way we live. Newness of life. Brand new. Any man in Christ, he becomes a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. How many of you watched the Dove Awards uh, last night? Some of you might have. There was, it was repeated last evening. And Michael W. Smith, who is a very prolific gospel singer, received so many of the awards. If you have that queued up, I'd like you to play that little clip for us now, please. Jim Cook, Jazz Corzine, Dean Deal, Terry Hill. 
so glad you're back. Don Donahue, the Rockettown record staff, who continue to inspire me. Um, everyone at GMA, my mom and dad, my sister Kim, my brother-in-law David, my kids, you are the bomb. You make me laugh so much. And somebody asked me backstage, I said, does this ever really get old? You ever really get tired of it? And I said, you know what, I'll always be grateful because it is, it is an honor and a great responsibility to be in this industry and, and be about the things of God. But I said, and my answer is most of the time, you know what, it doesn't bring any peace. The money, the awards, it doesn't bring, bring any peace at the end of the day. So, hopefully I'm getting a little wiser. I'm on the journey just like you are. I just want to fall in love with God and be His man. God bless you. So for those who are aspiring to be in ministry of some sort, the awards that come and the accolades that come and the trophies that come, at the end of the day, it doesn't bring any peace. It doesn't bring the fulfillment. The only thing is your relationship with the Lord, the living Lord, that alone and that by itself. So if there's some aspiration, if I could just achieve fame and fortune as a Christian, then, then I would be fulfilled. If you just take the truth that you've heard and seen and understand this is someone who is there right now. And they can speak from their experience the fact that these things will, at the end of the day, without Jesus, it's just invisible gym. It's just the empty box. Whether it's religious fame and fortune or whether it is just material fame and fortune, it doesn't matter. The trophies, the accolades, the fame are empty in the end apart from the risen Lord. Jesus makes all that difference happen within us. There is seen in this passage that we read as our text today, emptiness. And it's not just about an empty place. And we appreciate and we understand the empty place. But this text is about empty people. Empty people on the way to the tomb. And they had experienced what many of us experienced, the emptiness of grief and loss. There were tears shed by the people in this passage. And those who loved the Lord and lived with the Lord and had lost the Lord. They watched him die. They followed him to the tomb. They watched him be buried. And they went back to their homes, grieving, empty. And there's an emptiness in Mary Magdalene and the other women and the disciples. This one that they loved and lived with was no longer present with them. And, and I'm confident that even in this room this morning, on this Easter morning, there's some emptiness. Those that you loved and lived with are no longer present with you. I know that emptiness too. Good Friday for me is an anniversary. 
when I supported my mom on my arm and we walked down through the soft grass of Sunset Memorial Park, the outskirts of Cumberland, Maryland, to an open grave where my father was laid to rest. Good Friday is always an anniversary for me. There's an emptiness. And I know that in this room, like Mary Magdalene, Jesus stood behind her and said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? I'll tell you why. There was an emptiness. She said, They've taken away the body of my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Jesus dried her tears. I found that during those times of emptiness, there is one who can come beside us. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and staff, they comfort me. The Easter story is about emptiness, people filled with the emptiness of grief and loss. I want you to know if you're here and there's a, there's a hurting in your spirit and your heart is empty this morning, there are some people you cannot replace. There is a, a vacancy and a void that no one will ever fill on this earth. But the good news of Easter is the fact that Jesus is alive and he's real and he is, he is a professional comforter. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, he said, for he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted and to comfort all that mourn. The risen Lord is in his room this morning. I want you to feel his arms around you. Let him pull you close to his heart because he's alive and he is the comforter this morning that fills the void and the emptiness of loss in our lives. Easter is about people, empty people that Jesus revealed himself to. And in that revelation, the tears, the tears were dried and joy was birthed because Jesus revealed himself as the risen Lord. He's present here today and he is actively ministering in this room hearts today. We rejoice because Margie Half, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. But the Mikesville family needs the risen Lord today. Like you and I have needed and need the risen Lord today in times of emptiness in our lives when those that we love and have lost are gone. So we pray that God will by his grace reveal himself. Aren't you glad he does? He reveals himself to us as that one who is sufficient for us during those times of trauma and difficulty and loss in our life. Billy Graham, who is a native of Charlotte, North Carolina, People from that city invited him to come for a luncheon. And he, at first, was inclined to decline because he struggled so with Parkinson's disease. 
They said to him, my friend, if you'll just come, we won't ask anything major of you. You can just simply come and be honored. We'd like to honor you at this luncheon. So he agreed to go, and he listened to the wonderful things they had to say about him and stood to make some remarks. And he said, I want to talk to you today about Albert Einstein. He said, Albert Einstein was traveling by train from Princeton, New Jersey. And the conductor was going down the aisle and punching the tickets. And when he got to Albert Einstein, he reached in his vest for his ticket, but it wasn't there. He couldn't find it. He searched through his pockets, and he couldn't find it. He opened his briefcase and searched through, and he couldn't find it. Conductor, seeing his consternation, said to him, Dr. Einstein, we all know who you are. Just forget about the ticket. You don't need the ticket. Don't look any further for the ticket. And he just looked up at him appreciatively. And conductor went on down the aisle, punching tickets. When he got to the end, about to enter another car, he looked back, and there was Dr. Einstein on his hands and knees, and he was searching under his seat and around his seat for that ticket. So the conductor felt compelled to go back and reassure him and say, to him, Dr. Einstein, we know who you are. You need not look for that ticket. We trust you. We believe you bought the ticket. To that, Albert Einstein looked up into his face and said to the conductor, I know you know who I am, and I know who I am, but I need to know where I'm going. Then Billy Graham said, don't I look nice today? He said, I bought a new suit for this occasion. He said, my, my wife and my children and grandchildren have said to me, now that you're getting older, you're dressing a little more slovenly. So he said, I went out and bought a new suit for this occasion and for another occasion. He said, this is the suit I will be buried in. But he said, when you read in the paper that Billy Graham has died, don't remember me for the suit that I was wearing today, remember this statement. I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. Isn't that a powerful statement to be able to make? As you approach the end of life, to be able to say, I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. Billy Graham got it. He got the Easter message. What is that Easter message? That if all we do is look back and celebrate a historical event that happened to Jesus, we never got it. Easter has got to become a personal experience. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. If we have not experienced Easter, all it is is a holiday. We just celebrate a special day on the religious calendar and we come to church. Easter has got to be experienced. <laughs> You've got to pass from death unto life by receiving this living Lord as 
personal Savior that will cleanse you from sin and take residence in your life and that when life ends for you, absent from the body, you will be present with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you haven't experienced that, it's just coloring eggs, having an Easter egg hunt, and eating those little squishy chicks. I'm glad it's real. It's an experience. Easter is a personal experience. Do you get it? Disciples had heard it and heard it. I mean, I read the repetition for you. They should have been waiting, watching for the sunrise on that third day because he said it over and over again. You count them three days, I'm coming back. I wonder how many of us really do get it. All of the prophecies in the Word of God that state He's coming back. Have we got it? Do we live today kind of with expectancy? Because He told us. And He told us. He told us through many of the prophets. He told us through all the gospel writers. He's coming back. Watching for Him. Sitting, waiting for the sunrise. Listening for the trumpet to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, you know what? Do we get it? Or do we need to be reminded? Lord, send an angel down like you did that first Easter and say, remember? And then they, what? Remembered. Remember? Then they remembered. Father, I pray today that you will jog our memory. I pray, Father, that this will not just be a holiday, that you will fill the emptiness. Lord, some who have thought, if I could just make it to the top, if I could get to the top of the charts, if I could win the Dove Awards, if I could be famous and rich, that would do it. But we listen to a young man say today, it will bring no peace. At the end of the day, that is not what brings us peace. I just pray, Lord, we will discover the reality of Easter. Those who are empty this, this morning because of loss and grief, I pray, will experience you as the resurrected life and the resurrected Lord. Minister grace in this moment. Minister, Lord, to each one in this room. I pray that choices and decisions will be made today that will last eternally that
that we would get it. That the message would not sound like nonsense. The disciples dismissed it because it just didn't seem like it could be true. Peter walked away from the tomb wondering what it all meant. I pray you'll put a real certainty in our spirit today. And we'll know. We'll know who we are. And we'll